0: you <laughs> This is John.
1: This is Blix.
2: This is Trav.
3: And this is Jay.
1: Welcome to the TriTac podcast. Thank you for joining us this week and every week as we explore the strange worlds of the TriTac games, which include Fringeworthy and another game. This week on the non-Fringeworthy part of our podcast, we're talking about Incursion.
3: Hey Trav, can you give me the elevator pitch for uh, Incursion?
1: Incursion is a game of high exploration throughout the
2: galaxy. You are a normal human who has been shanghaied, for lack of a better word, aboard an alien starship of incredible design by humanoid slavers. You were to be sold on a galactic slave market, I believe on the planet Rhylaxis. Due to a potential up by a cruise medical officer, the pirate crew suffers from a Terran flu virus, and as they are succumbing to it, other aliens on board the ship release the human prisoners from cryostasis, give them weapons, and have them take over the ship. A few things happen, and you end up succeeding, but you are now lost amidst the galaxy on board this ship that you find out a lot of people want. You explore new worlds, you find new cultures, you find that there are humans out there already because apparently these slavers have been very busy over the past 60 years.
1: More than that. It's been more than 60 years since the slavers have been stealing people from various parts of the galaxy.
3: Okay, I meant from Earth specifically, 1945. 1945. But there's also humans all over the galaxy too, right? Well,
2: yeah, other humanoid races such as the Konstompnor, which is they were originally two collectives that decided to join together and they formed the Konstompnor Life Force as their police force. They have a handful of Enshani ships at their disposal, and of course they would like more. So when they find out that these humans have one, they're like, oh, we might want to talk to them. And of course the Konstompnor they will by hook or crook they'll. Try try to get it from you, either through legal means or just, they may even take it by force. So that's something that these humans have to watch out for.
3: Okay, so now these Khan Stomp-Nor, they're kind of the evil empire of the piece. The bosses, more or less, and are having trouble with corruption and decay and all this kind of stuff?
2: Yes, because it seems that Their royal family was wiped out, and they found the means to clone an heir, but this heir is, well, it's not a good clone. It tends to drool a lot, and so there is a magistrate who is the power behind the throne. So the Constopter Light Force, which was actually a a force of justice and peace in the galaxy, they now have these monitors on board their ship.
3: They've kept the peace for a thousand generations.
2: These monitors now who have very thick body armor and are very strong and have like a particle rifle, they tend to listen to the magistrate more than the light force. They're
3: kind of like the political officers on Hunt for Red October. Oh,
2: yes. They are the ones who make sure that the light force listen to the magistrates' dictates.
1: Sounds more like the, the special envoy on, in Spaced
3: Invaders.
2: Okay, I, I, I have that movie, but I have not seen it. I will take your word for it.
3: Yeah, that's a new reference on me, too.
2: Just an overseer to make sure that the laws of the magistrate, as opposed to the traditions of the light force, are kept.
3: So this Constampnor is, is kind of open for rebellion at some point.
2: Oh, yes, there are rebellions. There are several groups in the Nor that are looking to just set that tinder keg ablaze.
3: What sort of stories do you like to tell when you're running an Encouraging game?
2: Uh, well, obviously exploration. The navigation system on these Enchanty ships, especially the one in particular, the Ardana Nu, which, of all things, is actually a space tug. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are these six-sided cubes made of, like, a clear plastic material, and you pop it in the reader, and you activate the HFTL, the hyper, faster, and light drive, and within four days, you end up at a new world. So you are trying to do this randomly to get back to Earth, and you catalog where all these cube locations go, and I think there's like 12,000-some-odd cubes times six, so you got up to 74,000 locations. Neil is to say you have a plethora of adventure. To
3: so each of these NAV cubes, one face of the cube is one destination, so every cube... Leads to six destinations. Yes. Are these destinations related to each other? Are they close to each other in some sense? or
2: uh, They could be, depending on how the cubes were originally made. Or they could be six vastly okay. different locations. And there are four different colors of cubes. Mm-hmm. The clear ones are the ones that are in the Milky Way galaxy. The, and Anshani, a very enlightened race, had access to four galaxies. And oh, they boy. Keep, they kept these galaxies together through peace and understanding, and then one day the Enshanti just said, hey look hmm. where we're going, and they left. They left all their stuff behind. Okay. They're gone now, and over the past couple thousand years, the various galactic empires rose and fell, and they started absconding all the Enshani technology for themselves
3: Now nobody can really recreate the Enshanti technology, can no, they?
2: No, well, no, no, there was a race that tried, the Bezel.
3: I always pronounced it Bezel, but then I'm only reading it
2: uh,
0: didn't it make the black boxes to replace the white boxes?
2: Yes, the white boxes, um, the engineering bays of the are the Enshanty ships have these boxes that are like maybe three feet by... And they fit in the slots of the, the engineering bay. Well, the white boxes, they'll go down for self-maintenance, and thankfully they're redundant systems, but after a while, white boxes got lost or destroyed mm. or
3: taken. Now, the white boxes that the Unshiny originally used are, like, nearly indestructible, aren't they? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and they regenerate themselves, so if you have enough white boxes and an Unshiny ship of some sort, you can put it back together and make it go, right? As I said, some boxes got
2: taken, some were stolen. I think some were probably sold. Yes, So the Bethel made black box technology.
3: Can almost replace the white boxes.
2: Almost, but not quite. And it was like you'd crack open a black box. The white boxes were sealed. You couldn't open those. The black boxes you can open, and they sort of had, like, stuff, technology and sort of a black nano goo in it. There is a race that are akin to the Greys. They're known as the Grevels. They know bezel black box technology inside now.
3: Now, are the Greevils leftovers from the Unshani or do they come from the uh, bezel, or the bezel?
2: That, I am not sure they are. They are a distinct race, but
3: my reading of the Grievels is that they hang out with Anshani technology and they maintain it. And they're kind of like genetically engineered engineers. All they want to do is hang out with the Anshani equipment and treat it right. They don't care what you're doing with it. They don't care where you're going with it. All they want is to be near their ship and and lovingly tend it. Is that right?
2: There's usually six to eight Grevels per and ship. And, well, no, they will interact with you. Usually, if there is a problem with a black box, they will walk up with a spanner and smack you in the knee and point to the engineering bay. (laughs) Okay. Like, hey, you need to pay attention to this. Whack! You know, it's like, and a human from Earth is going to be like, what the hell is this three-foot thing doing smacking me in the leg with a wrench for? You know, the ships are idiot-proof technology. They were made exceedingly
3: easy to use. Yes. And this is the Unshiny again. They wanted their friends to be able to use their ships.
2: Oh yeah, these ships had many different functions and the the Ardana knew. just happened, the one that the group of slavers picked up and then the humans got dropped in their hands, was a space tug and it has functions specific to a space tug. It has tractor presser beams, it has various other types of weaponry
0: well, it's not weapon. Well, no,
2: there were weapons. It has a disintegrator beam. It has a heat beam. So there are weapons on this ship. But it was not made as a combat ship. It was made to tug other ships to and from other places. The
0: disintegrator beam is actually designed. You can cut this part off. Everything is designed to do different things. Yeah, the
2: heat beam actually can be directed into a wide beam to like melt snow or a fine beam to cut through something.
1: Yeah, it's essentially a construction vehicle. It's designed to be used to create or work on large projects that would require a ship like that.
4: So in other words, it's it's as much a weapon as a jackhammer is.
2: Very good analogy. Thank you, Blix. Also, in the time that the slaver crew had the ship, they've also made some modifications inside. I'm sure that the Unshany did not decide to put a laundry or an armory in this ship. So they have those.
3: Mm. Well, didn't the Unshany wear clothes? You'd think they'd want to keep those clean. We don't know that much about them, though, do we?
2: Uh, no, the Enshani left very little of themselves. Anything that has been gleaned about the Enshani is taken from millennia-old Enshani installations on faraway planets, which they are scattered throughout the four galaxies. These installations have been abandoned. There are cube coordinates to these worlds, and you come upon it and you see this glittering gold spaceport, and it's pretty sure that it's probably an old Enshani port. And you might find more tech there, or you might find other races who have taken it as their home.
3: And you might find pirates who are waiting for more treasure hunters to show up in order to find out what they got so far. Yeah, <laughs> you find out, wait a minute, you're not Griblick, hold it. You know. Okay, um, next question. Yes. How much of this do you tell the players before you start the game?
2: Well, usually, oh, what is that term you guys use for starting in the middle of the action?
1: Immediate rads.
2: Thank you. Yes, you are basically you can role play where you are woken out of cryostasis. The last thing you remember is living your life. And all of a sudden you see this gray light in the sky and you wake up and you're very cold and getting out of a golden pod being handed a weapon by what looks like a gray oh. from Roswell. Yep. And you have to fight to, to take over the ship. And you're fighting other humans. Yep. The humans, the because there's human and non-human members of this crew. The human-looking members of the crew were the slavers. And all the other non-humans were the, the Grevels and the, I believe, the late medical officer who ended up releasing the flu virus, yeah. which is what these crewmen are suffering from. They're yeah. in the midst of dying.
0: Yeah, the race, the doctor was, I'm not quite sure... I think it was a non-human, though. It was a non-human race.
2: I believe the reptilian race was known as the Yavnir, who were specifically, like,
3: very good physicians. Here's another question. What makes this setting different from, say, Traveler or Star Wars? What is the hook that you find makes this a better setting than those two?
2: I noticed that Rich makes games where a lot of times you're a normal person thrust into extraordinary circumstances, like Bureau 13 and Fringeworthy. You are normal Joe. Usually they kidnap you at night, these slavers. So you may be out for a walk, or you're driving, or you're working the late shift, coming home, and all of a sudden the gray light in the sky hits and you're knocked out. You're a normal guy, or normal girl, who all of a sudden now you're in command of an alien starship trying to find your way home. You have your skills. Any new skills you learn are going to be in the course of exploration. Traveler in Star Wars, nine times out of ten. You are somebody specifically trained for space combat and space travel and it was a way of life for you. Earth is not a space-faring planet and all of a sudden you're thrust in the middle of the galactic arena of politics and corruption and adventure and warfare.
3: So what this brings to your game is the ability to play ordinary people facing these space opera kind of situations.
2: Space opera, I, I would call this more science fiction because There are some things about this game that are more based in hard science facts, such as the ship running on water.
3: Yeah, but it has artificial gravity in it, and faster than light drive. Most of the creatures you encounter have a culture and a setup so that you can talk to them and trade with them. I'm not arguing that this is a bad thing. I think that's a good thing for role playing. but I don't think that's a really simulationist idea. I think it's more of a Storytelling, thing.
1: Okay, yes. My concept when I read this book is based upon all the other things that were out there. I found it much closer to Star Trek than anything else Mm. because you had very highly sophisticated equipment. You had people who had a mature culture, a mature galactic culture and you were placed in the middle of it, you didn't have a sense that everybody was running around exploring. It was more like you were doing the exploring, and they were already existing. You were discovering them. Wow, this, this screams Farscape, then. Yes, in, in in many ways, like Farscape, yes.
0: Actually, I was looking at the description for Terrans. They've actually been taking, taking slaves for 10 centuries from Earth. Just for the past 60, they've been doing the whole hog.
3: There was an Unshiny Sentinel robot. That was keeping galactic society at bay. It basically put Earth under, quote, prime directive protection.
0: They found a way to do it. How they did it, I'll leave up to the imagination of the GM to explain how he did But that means there's people there. In fact, like I decided when I, when I was writing it, there is Roanoke is
3: out. That's an interesting idea. Uh, my impression was that the Anshani had been taking people from, from Earth for a long time because it said in the book... That they uplifted their friends. Maybe they left the original breeding pool alone but took friends out into the galaxy to be pals with them or something like that. I don't know.
1: Now, wait a second. You're saying that we're not uplifted?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. There's a John Campbell answer. And then there's a George Carlin answer.
1: There's a David Brin
0: answer, too.
3: The John Campbell answer is no, of course not. We have evidence of our entire evolutionary chain, mostly. And we are who we are. The George Carlin uh, explanation is: Do we look all that uplifted?
0: <laughs> Actually, my answer to this one was that basically, Galactics and humans are basically—they're the same species. Okay. The Shani fiddled with everything during the prehistory proto-hominid stage.
3: I've made up a similar explanation for my uh, Star Trek game. The point is, the GM can really kind of finagle that how he wants to. I mean, if a GM wants to do a harder science fiction edge, or if he wants to do a space adventure kind of thing...
0: The Nu and the other ships are more in the soft science fiction range.
2: Jake, <laughs> you had said something about uh, the Enshani Sentinel drone. What that was was basically a robot that protected the entire system from the Enshani did it because they felt Earth was not ready to join the galactic community. Right. So right. they set the drone there, and the prerequisite for the drone to say, Okay, my job is done is when a culture or a planet finds atomic energy. Well, 1945, we had that bomb that explod- that we exploded in the New Mexico desert.
3: And the drone's job was done.
2: Yep, and it went home to the Enshanty. When it got back, uh, the drone was like, where'd they all go? <laughs> the slavers realized, hey, no sentinel drones. Us and humans a year, just picking them off and, you know.
3: Here, here's a question, okay? Suppose you're about to start an incursion game, and we're rolling up characters. What sort of characters do you would you like to see? Because I'm thinking that if I make uh, if I make Barney Milktoast the accountant, he's even if the pirates are really, really sick, he's gonna get gunned down before he realizes he's in a gunfight.
0: That's why you hand him a hand flamer.
3: If I roll steel John McHart stuff, the acting adventure cop, then, then he's already too adventuresome for, for the setting, isn't he?
2: You can have any type of modern-day human character that, that you want. If you want to play an accountant, or a cop, or a housewife, or a factory worker, or a science fiction writer, you can do all those because after a while they're all going to have a role. The accountant, because you have on the ship, you already have the stuff that the slavers have taken. You're going to need somebody to count, you know, to keep record of your stores and of of the riches you have. And obviously, you know, he's going to know combat. You're going to run across combat. There are going to be people that just do not like you.
0: When I was creating characters, I said, okay, you're the type that likes to go out adventuring. Go out in the forest by yourself sometimes and do things. So you could be a, a stockbroker, but you like going out by yourself. Think of the kind of people who get abducted all the time in all UFO stories. <laughs> I was
3: about to say, Yeah, haw Billy Bob, we got us a UFO. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that foe sounded like a train coming. Yeah, right.
0: As a GM, you do get some people to help the players out. There's the Greevils, of course. They don't talk. But then there's the bug.
3: Ah, uh, the Narakani, the cockroach race, most likely. And he is Professor Plot Exposition, the creature who tells you what the hell's going on.
2: That's right. And then it's very bare bones explanation because he was just a like on the ship. He didn't have any real in depth function. So he'll tell you, Well, that's the piloting console. Well, how do you work it? Well, I don't know. I'm not the pilot. I just know that's what they use to apply the yeah, ship.
0: The person you have to you have to find
2: uh, oh. on the Ice Planet, Dakel Schernack. He was a constominer yeah. technician on board the ship who the pirate crew abandoned and in one of these six adventures in incursion, I believe it is the second world you you're given the first six adventures on the first cube you find. First world, it's an ice world where you find the old man, Dakhil Shurna, with some snow creatures.
0: And two nav blocks, which he had to know where the destinations are for.
2: He's another good NPC because he was the ship's engineer, and usually he'd be down tinkering in the, the shuttle bay, but, I mean, he does have a working knowledge of the inner workings of the Ardana Newt, so he is very helpful.
3: Okay, yep. he also knows about the comm stomp, Nor. So how can the players don't wind up working for him? For
2: Dachal Shurna? Well, because he just wants to tinker with his hover bike parts and tinkering with the shuttles. He's not uh-huh. a command guy. He was just somebody who was working yeah. on the ship, and then the pirate crew just dumped him on that ice world. does have a working knowledge of the politics mm-hmm. and, well, not the current events. He'd been on that ice world for a while, but still, he's probably one of the best sources of information mm-hmm. that you're going to have as far as... What is it so you, like up here in the galaxy?
3: So you take him and you throw him down in the shuttle bay and every so often you can go ask him questions.
2: You're even given the pre-generated adventures in the back of the book a spaceport where you can actually find galactic culture. You can get stuff. Uh, on board the ship, you have kept in special containers fissionable material. Radioactive material is considered a currency. Therefore, you can sit there and... Sell these radioactive isotopes and get a lot of stuff. Weapons, yeah, armor, yeah. supplies, um, food. Well, I, no, not food. The ship makes food with a
3: special machines that the slavers. I'm thinking real food might be kind of popular after a while of, uh, yeah. of that.
0: The funny thing is, after you kill all the pirates and that stuff... The Greenville deal with cleaning up the bodies, and the, the bodies are all gone. You're going, hey, what's going on? And of course, then the bug goes.
3: Oh, no, let's not ask these questions. i going to
0: have protein tonight.
3: Oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you went there. Okay.
2: Hey. Well, the, the, the thing is, the ship also has waste reclamation units. You can dump yeah. old parts. Yeah. Well, the pirate crew, when you're done fighting them. Yeah, and basically, yeah. there's the chemical stores in the ship that makes...
3: Yeah, it's basic nanotech Santa Claus machine. I want to say replicator, but that's not the right word. The nanotechnology uh, assembler bots to disassemble things and, take, and put them back together at atomic and molecular level. Can't help but imagine that a barbecued lizard stand would be pretty cool after a while of that.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. You would want to get out and get real food. and I mean, that's what Zemek's port is. I mean, it has...
3: It, it Just has, don't ask for the human restaurant.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah, that's right. It, it's one of those things. Either they can have you over for dinner or they can have you
3: over... As dinner, yeah. We're kind of getting into a Galaxina and Futurama kind of a zone here where...
2: Play this game for laps, trust me. You can sit there and have the goopy, strange aliens that you are, are comical. As a matter of fact, many of the races in Incursion, you look at them and you're just like, really? The Zumkol, uh the Pai Emeru, which are like little blue people who market fast food and religion and they look like uh, midget butlers. Oh dear. Oh no, they do. That's what I've gathered, is that they look kind of like midget butlers without a dress. You have the Cheryl oh, yeah, Page, which are these little three foot tall bear beings that are like construction whizzes. You yeah. have... Yeah. Oh, gosh. The Kudala, which are like giant walking celery sticks. You have the Bizet, who are like animated, sentient piles of sticks. Just all these various weird races. The Ellenbren, which are basically sentient horses. And their temperament, they're philosophers. Oh, yes, them. Yeah, see, so a lot of these races, you're going to look at them, and they're more comic relief than anything, but this is what the galaxy has to offer. And you have, besides humans, you also have high-gravity and low-gravity versions. In other words, you've got these short, stocky humans that work on 2G worlds, and then you've got the light-gravity ones that need special compensators to work in normal gravity.
3: When you made up your own adventure, something that you didn't take out of a pre-generated uh, material, yes. what, what was the first plot you reached for?
1: Let's talk about if you're going to create an incursion campaign, what do you think what is your ideal incursion campaign? What are you going to go for? What's your imagineering saying, this is what's going to hook the players into playing this game. This is where I'm going to go, and this is, and this is where I'm going to hopefully end. And that way you, we can see how the differences of you between the various hosts can play out.
2: For me, obviously, exploration is your first thing. You are trying to get back to Earth. You have been taken against your will, and you want to get home. I would definitely throw in the Stomper Light Force because you want that recurring villain. And they're only going to get worse as time goes on because these monitors on board, these ships, are getting more and more stringent in their policing, you know, watching the Watchmen. Maybe humanitarian missions every so often. Because after a while, these humans are going to make a name for themselves. They've managed to stop a slaver crew. They've taken the ship for themselves. And they can do things like, if you use the heat beam, you could dig, like a well for a race, or you could transplant people from one planet to another. I mean, let's see, exploration, the constopter
3: life force. Are you going to be putting the characters in, in positions of asking them ethical questions? Or are you going to like ask them, hey, do you want to do humanitarian things or do you want to take the next step towards home?
2: I would give my players a, a an ethical dilemma because that brings out some really good role playing. You might have the self-serving criminal who got sucked up into all this. And he's like, why should I help these people out? They haven't, they're not doing anything for me. I'm not getting a reward. And no, I don't want that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. You know, you're going to have ethical dilemmas. That brings about some of your best role-playing as far as just who this character is that you've made.
0: When they were in Zimixport, they forced the sale of some humans. These guys were indentured servants, and for all intents and purposes, they were slaves. They forced the guy to sell them at a cheap rate price and then were chased by the guy afterwards. They were looking at becoming you know, abolitionists and
1: trying to, to break the slave trade.
2: Okay, was- that could be another thing. Yeah, I never thought of that, actually taking on the the slavers union.
1: So John, you're saying that you would create a campaign where they were fighting against the slavers, wh- whichever form they took. Jay, <laughs> what
3: would you do in an incursion game? What
2: type of elements would you throw in for your players?
3: One thing I would do would be to explore the idea of a recycler game. If we'd had a previous game that hadn't ended successfully or people felt like they had uh, characters that they weren't finished playing yet, I'd grab them and stuff them onto the uh, Ardana Nu and see what happened to the characters then. I really haven't thought so, so much about what kind of campaign I'd run for the Ardana Nu. My thoughts in terms of a space adventure game had uh, wandered off in a different direction. For the Ardana Nu, you're really kind of running a Firefly kind of Futurama thing. Where all the players are crewmen on this one ship, following the mission of this one ship, whatever they decide that is. Probably borrow from Trav's book a lot. You know, throw throw down uh, ethical quandaries in front of them. Or, you know, do you risk capture to help somebody? Or do you ditch somebody in need because you might get locked up for it? Other questions like this. If I think of something weird and strange to throw as, as an encounter it's one of the good things about a space adventure game and one of the bad things about a space adventure game is coming up with strange new worlds and coming up with a coherent story. I don't know if I'd really hammer on an arc to try to go from point A to point B. I haven't before, but I've been considering it as a GMing thing to make up a beginning, middle, and end for a campaign and follow that. And for this game, I suppose the beginning and the middle would be the exploration and the end would be when they finally got home to Earth. I guess the next question would be, what would happen after that? And that would be worth exploring. That would be interesting. But never actually done a game where I had a designed middle and a designed end to it. So I'd have to see how that works.
2: The good thing that you had mentioned about where the game would go, Incursion is on the same world as Bureau 13. So when I talked in a previous podcast about Bureau 13 and how it links to Incursion, To Fringeworthy, excuse me, the same thing. The portals end up to that Bureau 13 world, and the star portals... Oh, my. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, if you read in the book, Joanna Barnes, one of the iconic characters...
3: Right. She she mentions that her boyfriend was Robert Harrison, the science fiction writer who gets inducted into Bureau 13.
2: Yes, so that is how the game is linked. It's of the same world, and and so... I would think, as I, and I did this in my own incursion campaign years ago, they ended up being recruited by Bureau 13 because, oh, trust me, yes, it was a supernatural experience to say the least. And now mm-hmm. the Bureau agents had this ship at their disposal because the ship bonds to you. There's a microscopic piece of the ship that embeds itself in the neurotissue when you use the auto dock. And so oh. the Bureau cannot use this ship unless they also are linked to the ship. So you have this ship now. It's yours.
3: I'm also thinking that the Bureau and other Earth governments would want to explore who's in their neighborhood and prevent a con, stomp, nor attempt to take over the Earth. Oh yes, yes. You definitely don't want them around. No, no. And then we have to ask the next question, are any of the people on the Ardon Noor fringe worthy? Oh dear.
2: Oh, see, that's another good thing. Yeah. It, that...
3: Because Bureau 13 Earth has a portal and so they're going to be looking for their own fringe worthy and starting up their own uh, fringe worthy campaign too. Yes.
2: Okay, uh, Blix, you have any ideas on how to run a incursion game?
4: Well, if it was me, and, I, and I just knowing the the group that I run with and the stuff that we do, I can see them not wanting to go back to Earth or not caring about Earth, because space would be that much more interesting.
3: <laughs> yep.
4: It, they would become friendly pirate type, your average D and D party, but with a really cool ship. Probably very quickly transform itself into. An alternate version of Farscape, uh, traveling around the universe, just getting in trouble. and
3: Roving violent do-gooders for justice?
4: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs>
3: I know that Blix is all about the cyberpunk,
2: so he'd be there in like the urban planets, you know, in the back alleys of some alien world. I know he'd be all about that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. You know, uh, trying to get some black market guns of some kind or another, but not, not to invade and, and you know, yeah. murder a bunch of people, but to... Just for the coolness of having those guns and rip off some evil bank or something.
3: (laughs) Look, a crime lord and his back's turned. Get him. Yeah, exactly.
4: Right, exactly. I had my players, when
0: they went to Zemix port, the Zemix had their own uh, Ashani ship. It was a much bigger ship than than the Ardana knew. It it was a peacekeeper ship. So the first thing that happened was they did the old uh, Star Trek Command Override, and they weren't going anywhere at that point, which is one of the problems you can run into when you run into another Ashanti ship with people who know how to use it.
2: And that's the thing. The Ardana knew it's a saucer. It's 310 feet across. That's not a small spacecraft, but apparently it is because the Ashanti had much bigger ships. Yeah. Bruce, your ideas on an incursion game.
1: You have a bunch of normal people who've been abducted and uh, possibly in some way physically insulted depending upon what they've done to them as they process them. They find themselves lost somewhere in the galaxy amongst hundreds if not thousands of races that are completely alien to them and they, in which they share no part of their culture. And you have a fairly overlordish police force whose member planets are mostly barbarian, despotic places that no one would want to spend any time with, and they want your ship. And your ship is the only way of getting home. Not a place that I think that the characters would want to stay in a long-term basis. I would really encourage them, through various means of fish out of water, to really want to get back to Earth. Which means, they have two choices. One is for them to go and try all those 72,000 faces on the cubes that they have. Or they can try to find themselves a cube reader, which are very, 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 very rare. But at least it does exist. At the same time, they have run into the uh, Constopnor light force who says, hey, you don't have a right to this ship. This ship you just happened to wake up in and you took it away from pirates who are, by by their criminal behavior, makes them not valid owners of this ship either. Therefore, it's our ship. And you need to give it back because there's only 12 uh, Ashanti ships in the entire galaxy. Well, the players are not going to want to do that. They're going to want to say, no, no, we need this ship. We're going to keep this ship. And there you have the A-team in space.
2: Okay. All right. I see that analogy. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, right. okay.
1: What you're going to do is you're going to try to go and go to Worlds and try to track down information probably on where to find one of these cube readers. You may be buying cubes from traders and things like that that have destinations that are known destinations to go to, or you may have to randomly for a while just pick cube sides. And sometimes they may be the only th- choice that you have. And what you'll do is you'll take them, you'll plug it in, and you'll probably be beating feet out of there just as the Constantinor police force arrive to arrest you or at least to try to take the ship away from you.
3: How would the Constantinor learn where you were before you'd resolved the adventure and moved on? You have a cube for that place. Well, true, but uh, do they have some sort of Fashion Delight radio that says beep, beep? Wanted ship, wanted ship at this system. The, the
2: ships and the installations all can communicate with each other. and the cons- Ah. It's far better than the humans do. Yeah. So they yeah. could probably sit there and track it through its communication system if need. It, they're, they're
3: reading its LoJack.
1: There's also a couple of other options. Almost immediately, the Constant nor is going to put a bounty on your ship. Since there's only it's only one out of 12 legendary starships, and it doesn't look like the other starships, it should be pretty easy to identify. So somebody on the planet that you're going to is going to be saying, hey, I want to collect that bounty. Here, let me send the message off to the nor. Here's the location. The Constampnors probably have some pretty good index cubes of their own. So they can probably find their way near to the planet in a fairly good amount of time. Maybe a day, maybe a couple of days. Just long enough for your party to have an adventure.
3: I like the Blake Simmons sort of feel to it. They're always moving, and always under the gun. I also like what you were saying about, you know, doing research and doing their homework, trying to find Earth. You're not going to just put a cube in, bounce in and say, is this it? No. Okay, And then slap the next cube in. You know, you're going to want to ask some questions and find out what's going on. And maybe over time, you know, learn more about this environment that you're Mm -hmm. in than just uh, aliens took us and now we want to go home.
1: When I looked at the game, I said, you know, they're not going to go and take you know, these, these 12,000 cubes and try to go through them one at a time. They're going to go to a world and they're going to start buying cubes with destinations that sound somewhat helpful, something you know, somewhat known, and try to find their way to you know, a cube that actually is somewhere in the vicinity of their planet. There's a good possibility that somebody who's part of the crew is going to be able to say, you know, you know, we've seen that picture of the of the Milky Way galaxy and the little point that says, "Hey, you are here." If you can envision that, you can already ignore about three quarters of the galaxy that's not going to be in the right place. Just that outer loop, that outer ring, which has you know lots of thousands of stars out there, but still gives you some place to shoot for. Yeah. See, that's the
2: thing. If you have somebody who is an astronomer or an astrophysicist, your navigation problems are going to be cut in half, because all they need to do is, once they find a constellation,
3: boom, 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 there's Earth. Yeah, but you're going to have to be in a relatively small zone of space for them to be able to recognize such things.
0: And I know a astronomer about, how do I navigate? I'm, I'm someplace strange. How do I navigate? And he says, well, unless you actually have a good set of star charts, the chances are you could, you could be a 50 light years from Earth and not know it. Because stars don't look right. Because you got stars in front of you that shouldn't be in front of you.
3: I have to say that I'm kind of in in a boat with Blix's players here. If I get kidnapped and wind up in control of a flying saucer, I'm just going to keep on going.
1: (laughs) That depends on whether your group of people want to embrace a totally alien galactic culture as their own. I mean, if they want to do that, then that's great. Then, you, then yep. you basically say, okay, let's close the book on Earth. We're now part of this bigger universe. Let's go out there and explore. Then you really are doing Farscape before they went back to Earth. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. But in the one I was seeing, I saw them, you know, continually trying to get back to Earth and following up clues because people have been abducted before. It means that maybe more than one starship, more than one pirate crew, has come to Earth and harvested. And if that's true, that means they've got a cube that goes to Earth also. And all you have to do is find who that pirate is and go in and get what you need from him. Catch him when they ain't looking. You've got a legendary starship. It's got some pretty powerful gear on it. It's not designed to be a warship, but it will do in a pinch. Oh yeah. And if it doesn't work, you've got hyper light drive to get out of there. Away.
2: Also, the pirates have amassed weapons. There is an armory on board the ship. He's I noticed that I have guns everywhere. So you have
1: weaponry you can take with you.
3: I noticed that uh, the tech levels in this game are just all over the place,
1: which is just like Star Trek.
3: So is there like a, a cannon tech level for the weapons or is it just is, is it just whatever the characters like?
1: Well,
2: the weapons I noticed in the armory from what they gathered, they said anything from firearms to energy weapons. So it's from PL-4 or 5 on. Yeah. You may have revolvers that may look a little different, but they're essentially revolvers to disintegrator rifles. You know, just whatever the pirates have picked up over the past
3: 50 years. And if the the pirates had hit Earth before, you might have whatever the last batch of guys was carrying. Right, exactly.
2: Right. You might find a 45 automatic or a Glock 22 on the racks there, you know, because there's also in the rooms, they just threw whatever the people had. It's like Joanna Barnes and um, Chris McKay, the two iconic characters, they're finding, oh, I see an NRA license and a driver's license from Vermont in this wallet. So, the we- you know, there has to be some weapons there because they occasionally yeah. picked up a cop or a hunter on one of their slaver
1: runs so because this is in the universe in which it is you may also pick up a weapon that creates a gate to hell and sucks in that, that pirate battleship or that uh, nor battleship that's trying to take you on
3: I'd really want to handle that with care after I found that out
0: don't forget if you're tired of playing a human character you can always say okay I, my character just can't take it no more I'm gonna go back in a crowd tube and and, and this character has gone but I want to now play a new character But I don't want to play a human this, this ship has
1: other people on board, too, besides you guys. I want to play a worm call. Well, you don't have to pick people that are frozen and stolen from other planets. You can actually just go and meet somebody on a world and decide to add them to your crew. But there is potential that this ship was a slaver ship, and they were
0: equal an equal opportunity grabber. So there may be other slaves on board this ship, too, besides
1: humans. I think there are.
2: I picked Earth because, one, it was out of the way. It was... Cheap labor that they could get a few credits on,
3: and it didn't have uh, big anti-starship guns. That's right. right
2: yeah, they were very okay. unprotected, so easy. Right, pick.
0: right for the plucking. The bug complained about this. Is he was going, but you know, it's all this stuff you could trade. You could make more money trading with these people than you could just stealing people. But the captain, he wouldn't, he wouldn't listen. He 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 could only think of one thing: take people, sell them.
2: That was it captain was getting worse and worse from what I read in the book. Yeah, uh, he just was getting right. more and more uh, megalomaniacal. And that's why the non-human members of the Ardena News crew decided, okay, so we need to stop this.
1: Yeah. yeah, That's one of the reasons why I think that being a traitor doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Because once you find out how valuable all that uranium is underneath the Blu-ray field... You could sell it and basically retire. Game over. Compa- campaign yeah. ended. Okay.
3: Next question: Is there any relationship between the Anshani and the uh, Termellern?
2: I've been wanting to know that for years. Actually, I would say no. I think the
1: Anshani are different. I think the Anshani are unique to this universe. Well, we've already established that the Termellern—they created the Fringe Pass to link all of the different Termellerns together through earth so therefore they had no reason to spread out across the galaxy they just went to one world in multiple universes so there would be no reason to create a galactic culture
3: even a hyper fashion light drive is probably a good deal easier to create than the fringe path system but i'm also thinking that the only point of comparison for me is that both of them upon reaching you know this high level of sophistication and advancement Ran around and said, "Hey, everybody! Let's all be friends and and have a good time." And so they they each made their their commonwealths, you know, as as a way to try to spread all their happiness and joy around. And then found out the hard way that not everybody wanted to play by those rules.
0: Yeah, they would show up with their and, and enforce happiness. On their, <laughs> and they got sick and tired of enforcing happiness after a while, and they said, "You know what? I'm sick and tired of this. Let's ascend to the next level." Okay,
2: bye. The Enchanty, it even said in the book, they used, when the children didn't want to sing, they used psychology
3: to make them sing. Okay. So, not very termellern like after all. No. They did have their
2: high and low points, the Enchanty. Okay, let's see. <laughs> Incursion. A game that basically thrusts you once again into an extraordinary circumstance. You are often an ordinary person, minding your own business and all of a sudden you have the entire galaxy at your disposal. You will face untold horrors, you will find new allies and friends, you will find out the best and worst in yourself as you make your way in this new universe and hopefully make it back home
3: safe and sound. Wait, if you GM the horrors for them, aren't they then told? (laughs) Sorry. Crap, he's right. (laughs) (laughs) you will face horrors that the GM tells you about. (sighs) The human
2: element in this game, of course, brings about the best in role-playing because in science fiction, the human element is what makes science fiction pop. It's that thing that grabs us all. It makes us look at ourselves and at the rest of the world. So Incursion is a fantastic game in that regard. It allows you to... Be the person that you want to be. You could even play yourself in this game and just be thrust into this extraordinary arena of events.
1: This is Bruce Sheffer saying, There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them.
0: This is John Ryer saying, Keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in.
4: And this is Blix. Remember, bullets speak louder than words.
3: This is Jay. Keep it simple. The players are going to complicate it for you. And
2: this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun. License 3.0. No commercial distribution or derivatives are allowed. The Tri Tech Podcast is wholly owned by Tri Tech Games. Visit us at www.tritechgamers.com or on Facebook.